This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion, addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at standupwithatruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you also for your support and your prayers. Um, Man, what we've encountered in the last couple of years as far as spiritual warfare at this ministry, and I know a lot of other people are going through it too, but whenever you're on the front lines, whenever you're trying to do work for God, you will be attacked, there will be opposition, and we have the sword of the Spirit and the armor of God, and we've got uh, the name of Jesus, the strong tower that we can run to and be safe. But we've got so many things that, uh, like Peter says, uh, we've been given everything we need for life and for godliness. So always remember that. But keep praying for uh, Christian brothers and sisters, particularly the remnant of true believers who are – what do I mean by true believers? Um, they're not just um, cultural or um, – um, yeah, cultural Christians. They're not just uh, going to church once a week and maybe trying to live uh, a decent life. They're really fighting the good fight of faith, trying to make a difference in our culture as salt and light, as Jesus has instructed us. So pray for just people that aren't even in a specific ministry or that aren't leaders necessarily, but they are influencers. And isn't that what it's all about? In fact, I want to read a, since I brought that up, I want to read a couple of verses from Second Corinthians chapter 2. I brought up the word influence, and I really want to share this with you. Um, verse... 14 and 15. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us reveals the fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a, we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So we leave behind a fragrance. I like to think of uh, a nice uh, filet mignon or, a, you know, you might think of flowers, nice cologne or perfume. Uh, nonetheless, we believers in Christ, if you're living your faith out in public, you are leaving behind a fragrance of Christ. And shouldn't we be influential in whatever sphere God gives us, whatever aspect? So anyway, that was free before we get into our topic today. Special guest in studio, Tina Hollenbeck. she got a brand new book out. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, but let's open in prayer as we always do. And then we've got a couple personal emails that came into the station. More people are getting a hold of us and asking us for advice. Some are asking for Christian attorneys. And so we do want to get to those in just a minute. Father, thank you for giving us another day. Thank you for the ability to reach people through this this podcast and through this radio station. Thank you for those who are listening right now. And we ask that you would encourage them and draw them closer to you in the name of Jesus. Empower them by your spirit. Give them an added measure of discernment today. Thank you, God, that you have called them and called us to serve you. And you have called us to go and bear fruit fruit that will last. And so we, we ask, Lord, that you would give us those opportunities and direct us by your Holy Spirit. Always direct our steps, Lord. And uh, we thank you for this day and this time and just the fact that we can talk about important matters and eternal things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me bring in Tina because I've got a couple, two things I want to get to before we open up and talk about her book. But the book is called Eight Great Smarts for homeschoolers. And it's a brand new, I'm talking about just in the last couple of weeks it came out. Tina Hollenbeck is an author, and uh, you can get this book, by the way, on Amazon. She and her husband homeschooled their children from birth through high school uh, graduation, and gave her uh, this gave her the opportunity to become a trusted mentor, advisor, and advocate along the way. She is also the owner and curator of the Homeschool Resource Roadmap. It's a free database. So, Tina, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm oh, glad to be here. You're very welcome. We've been friends for years, particularly Absolutely. on social media. <laughs> trying backing, to, backing each other up, right? Yeah, <laughs> trying to fight the good fight in that venue. But you were already interviewed here on this station a couple of weeks ago on your book. Uh, we have a different listening, listening audience. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to talk about eight great smarts 
for homeschoolers. It's a guide to teaching based on your child's unique strengths. That's the subtitle. And I want to get to that in just a minute and talk about your background before we talk about some great information in your book. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got an email um, from a listener, not the first. Um, quote, got the news. I'm officially losing my job because my company is rejecting my relig- religious exemption request and I refuse to get the vax, the shot, the jab. So uh, she said, could you please pray that our sovereign Lord will continue to guide me on what to do from here and that he provides some solace for my husband in the midst of my employment trials. God is faithful and good in all things. He always provides. I'm not worried at all, excited to see what is next. I know that my husband will be very distressed and worried when he hears about this. He is not a believer. Thank you again for everything. God bless you guys. So lift up uh, listeners that have contacted us. And others, there's across the country, people that we don't even know, believers, and even people that are not believers. That are, it's, This is a religious freedom issue, which has been one of the biggest topics on uh, this podcast in the last year and a half. But a lot of people are going through this. I also got an email last week from a nurse at a local healthcare, uh, you know, hospital. Um, she is not getting the shot, and a lot of her coworkers do not want to be forced to get the vaccine, regardless of what their thoughts on the vaccine is, this is a different issue. They are now paying more in insurance because they don't want to get the vaccination. I've heard that story as well, not just in the healthcare industry, but in others. People are having to pay more for insurance. So, Tina, and then there's another story I want to get to also real quick, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. This is a religious freedom issue. This is uh, something that Christians take very seriously, and I just wanted to get your your thoughts on your perspective. Wow, nothing like throwing me into the lion's den there, honey. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. That's what this is all about. Uh, I mean, I've heard uh, from some of my friends as well. They work in local health care facilities, and they're just afraid. Are they going to be able to maintain their job? I have heard about the increased insurance premiums mm. that they're being made to mm. uh, pay, uh, all kinds of different coercions, mm-hmm. you know? And I guess the one thing I think about is um, anytime somebody's coerced to do something, I think that automatically means we need to have caution, right? Yes. You know, yes. I mean, if something is really good, educate us, show us why it's a good thing, and then let us choose. But this whole Amen. forced issue, it mm. just begs the question, why? Why do they yeah. feel so compelled to force us to do this? Yes. And also look at who is behind it. Who's pushing this? Mm-hmm. Think about this, friends. Come on, reason with us here this morning. Who is pushing this? The United Nations, are they a Christian organization? Are they for America and religious freedom? What about Bill Gates and some of the elites, the global elites, the power elites? What about those who have stock and a lot of investment in vaccines and pharmaceutical companies? And Think about this. Reason with us. Who's behind it? Hollywood. What about a liberal, progressive actors and actresses who are, some of them are touting socialism, Bernie Sanders supporters. What about them? Why would they be for this vaccine? What about our, many in our own government? What, just think about the public schools, corporations now. Is it because they're woke? Is it because they are really believing the, extensive testing and research and the years <laughs> the years of experimentation and research that have gone into these vaccines no no there's something else i say it's demonic behind this you guys can draw your own conclusions think about who's behind it so this is an issue of they're coercing us we got um in church two different people approached me and said um they had both of two different people uh-huh. text messages from Emperor Evers in Wisconsin the governor here and the the government saying you can get $100 if you get the vaccine Oh well, first of all, where's that money coming from? Us. But but wh- wh- why are they trying to bribe people? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And $100 for we don't know to what it's shot. going to do to exactly. you, short-term, long-term? Exactly. Yeah, and now, you know, we will say, I'll say flat out, I don't know enough about the medical aspect of these vaccines and the contents. We had Dr. Lee Merritt on last week. She opened our eyes to a lot of things. But... And some people may not have any adverse effects. Right. And there are a lot of people that are fine. 
other people, and, and if you go to the what we talked about yesterday, going to the VAERS, uh, the vaccine adverse effects, you know, the site, you can see thousands of people, have died, tens of thousands, have had serious side effects because of the shot. I know a lot of people are fine. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen six months to a year from now? Right. We don't know. We just know it kind of it does alter your genes. So th- this is sad when we've got American citizens being discriminated against, when you've got Christians unable to use their religious exemption right. to say, no, I don't want this for my children. I don't want this for me. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, and we are to glorify God with our bodies. And God is the owner of our bodies, not the government, not the public schools, not Hollywood, not corporations or your employer. All right, I'm off my soapbox now, Tina. (laughs) Second email I got, and we're going to get to your book because the subject today is homeschooling. And thank God more people are homeschooling now. For whatever reason, I know a lot of people because of the pandemic last year, at least they're, they're homeschooling and they're not sending their kids. But we'll talk about that in a minute. So I was listening to one of the podcasts earlier this week and wanted to comment on a particular thing this person made. This, this person said, I do not remember the exact day or name of the guest. I know who it is. He said, they partner with an organization headed by Glenn Beck to help people. Indeed, the cause may be doing a great work, but scripture verse came to mind that would be, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship? Think about this, though. Yoked and fellowship in these contexts. What fellowship has righteousness and lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? And um, he says, to me, a believer in Jesus Christ and a person that does not believe in Jesus Christ or is not a or or is a created being, should not be partnering together no matter how strongly we feel about a cause. And if there's something I missed, uh, let me know, and uh, we'll go over God's word if I am in error. Um, so thank you for this um, this gentleman that, that, that wrote this email. The, the article we shared, this was um, about a week ago, Samaritan's Purse, Franklin Graham Organization Working to Rescue Women and Children from Afghanistan. That was one article. The other article we were sharing, um, Glenn Beck was partnering with an organization. Oh, I forget the name of it now. Nazarene. Nazarene was in the title of the website. And they r- raised $30 million to get people, Christians, out of Afghanistan. I'm looking at that and going, I don't care who you are. I will work with, with, you know, you know, Catholics. Mormon, Glenn Beck is a Mormon. Mm-hmm. He's done more for religious freedom than a lot of Christian pastors have. And the awareness he has raised about the Marxism and communism and socialism that's threatened our country in the last 10 to 15 years. Glenn Beck has done a lot of schooling, education mm-hmm. on this. So I will lock arms with him in a cause to save Christian lives. I think I understand what that listener was saying, that we shouldn't work with Mormons on this is not a theological issue, this is a humanitarian issue, and shouldn't we put life above all else? Tina, I want to get your thoughts on that. Here's another one. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, You know, I agree with you. Uh, I think we should pray for Glenn Beck because I think, you know, there's common grace, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think about King Darius and the Bible and all of that. Uh, Didn't believe in God, but God used him. Mm -hmm. And I I agree with you. I think that God has used Glenn Beck, though he doesn't know the God of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So I think we first and foremost need to pray for him. And why not, again, Use money that people are donating to help save lives. To save, especially right? Christians, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. to get them out of persecution. And I would just Our say... Our government isn't doing it, so somebody has to. Thank you. Thank you. The government doesn't care about Christians, necessarily. I put That's a big blanket statement there. Don't, don't send the emails <laughs> on that. You know what I mean. Um, the Biden administration, the Biden-Harris... Um, Regime, they, they are pretty anti-Christian and godless. Yeah. Uh, they don't necessarily care about religious freedom. So it takes people like, uh, you know, uh, someone who, like a, a Glenn Beck or others, Samaritan's Purse. So you got Glenn Beck and Franklin Graham partnering <laughs> in a way to do the same thing. You know what? I think we've got to be a little less, um, I don't, don't want to say self-righteous, but a little less legalistic. This is just my opinion. And, mm-hmm. and send me the scriptures if you think there's something I need to look at. But they're saving Christian lives. They're raising money 
to get Christians out of persecutions and literally saving Christian lives. What about, I, we work with a lot of people who are not Christian to mm-hmm. save babies in the womb. Right. You know, these, uh, the, the women's shelters and places that will take a, a pregnant woman and take care of her. Isn't that what we're called mm-hmm. to do? Mm-hmm. What about, uh, saving them from the jaws of death at Planned Parenthood? Mm-hmm. We are called to, and, and I'll work with whoever I can. We're not, we're not talking, we're not aligning theologically. Mm-hmm. We are working with people to save Lives and so let's get back to, you know, a, a, a biblical truth and compassion here. So I took up a little bit too much time, Tina, but let's get to your book now. A very important eight great smarts for homeschoolers. But I want to talk about your family first because it's fascinating that you and your husband decided to homeschool your kids. But you've got a great story in that you were a public school teacher before you had kids. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about your journey to become. A uh, homeschooling advocate. Mm-hmm. I was indeed. So um, Jeff and I have been married for a long time. We're, uh, I'm not going to even disclose my age, uh-huh. let alone his. <laughs> but um, and I like to say, I was 10 years old when I got married, but I really wasn't. But anyway, really, as we were newlyweds, um, we met some of the modern homeschool pioneers that, because homeschooling became legal in Wisconsin, where we are in 1984. And so it was a few years after that, I, at church, met a few of the modern-day um homeschool pioneers at that era, and I was really intrigued, as was Jeff, but his parents um, were public school teachers as well, and so he thought, well, that's weird, mm. and I don't want to offend my parents, and um, and so we just kind of let that be, because the Lord didn't bless us with children for several years, and at one point, um, I was called to uh, go into the public schools and become an ESL teacher. So I taught English to immigrant kids for nine years before Hmm. God blessed us with our children. And I worked really hard to consider that my mission field. It is a really hard mission field for Hmm. Christians who are teachers who are Christians in the schools. And it's, I left 20 years ago when my older child was born. Um, Pray for the believers who are teaching in public schools because it is a really tough mission field. Um, it's hard to keep your focus on the Lord because you get caught up in all the other stuff that happens. Oh my but um, I felt like we should homeschool, and Jeff was not sure, um, but my time in the system convinced me that my children would never, ever set foot in the system because I saw it from the inside. Elaborate on that just a little bit. I come from a family of teachers as well. Mm-hmm. You were in it. You saw the curriculum. Yes. Elaborate on what you just shared, please. Um, you know, there's, again, there are Christians who are teachers in the public schools. Sure. Um, and I don't believe that's unbiblical because it can be a mission field. I don't think there's a case to be made for sending children of Christians into the public schools, but as an adult believer, I think that can be a mission field that people are called to. Um, but most teachers are not Christians, and a lot of them are anti-Christian, and that attitude grows year by year. Um, it was a lot, it's a lot worse now than it was 20 years ago, but I experienced persecution as a Christian. I almost lost my job my first year because of, uh, sharing, uh, a, a Christian evangelist. I was allowed to share that a Christian evangelist was coming into town and doing a teen event. Um, my principal gave me permission to do that. Just and then, let people know. Yeah, just to let my students know and whatever. And he actually came into the schools and did a um, self-esteem talk during the day. And then we asked for permission for him to share. um, He was going to do really what was a crusade at night. Mm -hmm. But we were very clear about that and um, got permission from the principal. Lots of students went. Some of them got saved. And that got back to the principal. And he called me into his office the next day and he almost fired me. So that was my first year teaching. (laughs) I'm guessing this was in the 80s. Uh, this would have been the early 90s, early okay. to mid-90s. Early so, 90s. Yeah, yeah. So wow. even then. The tolerance, right? <laughs> My exactly. lack of tolerance. <laughs> exactly. And imagine, it's a lot worse now. Mm. Um, so one of the things that really was the kicker for me, though, I mean, I saw that I, I experienced some persecution, but the day that my department chair at the high school that I was teaching at said to me, because I, teaching immigrant kids, their parents didn't speak any English and they wanted to be involved. I, I could tell that at the conferences, mm-hmm. um, but they couldn't speak English. So they would apologize through the translator. And so I got this idea, which I really think was God led. Um, I asked the translators if they would be willing to call a few parents every day just to let them know what was going on so they could kind of stay in the loop. Mm. Uh, the translators were thrilled because it was, this was their cultural background, right? Um, my department chair, whom everybody thought was very saintly, 
um, came to me after several days and she said, you need to stop wasting the translator's time. You are the teacher. They're just parents. Well, now, who was that person that said that? Uh, that was my department chair at a local high school. Okay, would you now? I, we've we've learned through the years now mm-hmm. that is kind of the the mentality. That is kind that of is. the thought, right? That they have. Oh, parents are just oh, you know, just this. This yeah. is more important than what parents think. They don't right? matter. Yeah, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you know, when the the school system as we know it now. Um, launched as a factory type system about a hundred years ago. Uh, and I, I wish I could remember who said this, but one of the founders, it wasn't John Dewey, but one of those people in his era said that the goal that they had when setting up the government schools was to separate the minds and hearts of the children from their parents and to free the children from the shackles of religion. Mm-hmm. That is why they actually started the government schools as we know them now. Yep. It was not to provide a real education. Right. Yep, exactly. That may have been from the Humanist Manifesto, but it we are with yeah. Tina Hollenbeck, the author of the book Eight Great Smarts for Homeschoolers, a guide to teaching based on your child's unique strengths. When we come back, we're going to talk about another disturbing story in the public school as far as a teacher and also how kids don't learn just one way and the fact that some schools Christian schools and private schools are outperforming the public schools amid the pandemic. More on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest is Tina Hollenbeck, author of the book Eight Great Smarts for Homeschoolers, a guide to teaching based on your child's unique Strength. And we have something in common, Tina. Heidi St. John endorsed both of our books. Yay! Uh, she said <laughs> this about Tina's new book. I have successfully used the eight smarts popularized by Dr. Kathy, is it Coke? Cook. Cook. When homeschooling my youngest children, because Tina Hollenbeck lists many, uh, teaching ideas for each smart, each, for, for each smart by academic area, it will not be it will, I'm sorry, it will now be even easier. If you want to become a better teacher and avoid the frustration that comes from the useless slow and louder method, I don't know what that is, but you can explain that. <laughs> this book is for you. You'll learn exactly how to use a different smart when reteaching concepts and find success for your child and yourself. I'm grateful for this resource. So tell us how you um, have been working with Kathy for a number of years and how this book came about because I didn't realize she had written a book with the same title? Almost the same title. Similar. Yeah. So um, Kathy Cook used to be, back in the day, a professor at UW-Green Bay. That's where we met. I was a student. She was a professor uh, in the education department, uh, ironically, but uh, a strong Christian believer. And I don't know, like 30 years ago, she was called to start a ministry called Celebrate Kids. So she moved to Texas and God has been blessing her ministry with different things. And in the last... I don't know, 10 years or so, she um, really started speaking more extensively at homeschool conventions and moving into that realm because she used to do public school in-services and things like mm-hmm. that and and try to teach Proverbs without listing the Proverbs. So <laughs> she was really good when she did her in-services in the public school and trying to, to make sure that God's word got in there. Um, but they're not doing that anymore. So she started speaking at homeschool conventions, has become, I got, gotten a following. Um, I've been writing for her blog and her newsletter since about 2006. And so my girls grew up knowing her, knowing her. And, um, last fall, October 2020, um, actually a little bit before, but really in the fall, she said, well, um, Tina Moody would like to publish a book, uh, for about the eight great smarts for homeschoolers. Would you write that for me? And, oh, by the way, I need two chapters in a week. And then when they accepted that, those two chapters it would have been mid to late October, she said, and the deadline is December 7th, and can you do it? <laughs> and I said, I can't, but greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, and, and, and Christ can do anything. And so my husband, Jeff, and my daughter, who still lives at home, said, just close yourself in your office, <laughs> write this book, we'll get the crock pot out, we'll take care of it for the next however many weeks. And so the Lord enabled me to write this book in about five weeks' time. So. That's amazing. <laughs> and it's friends, it's like 140 pages or whatever. We, we um, made it kind of short because parents, homeschool parents are busy, busy, busy. Yes, so yes. the goal was to make it short enough to read quickly and also practical so that you can kind of whiz through it and then go back and reference it. So there's one story I want to get to before we run out of time. <laughs> and it's the one where uh, one of your daughters was skipping around the table and she couldn't count past 20, if I remember right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
Um, then she, when she was sitting at the table just trying to count like numbers. But when she started skipping and, and counting out loud, she, she counted to 100. Tell that story and what you learned from that. <laughs> yeah, th- that you summarized it very, very well. So she was about five years old. Uh, that's Rachel, my older daughter. Hey, Hi, Rachel. Rachel. <laughs> and um, she was a, a very conscientious little kid. She really wanted to do what I asked her with learning, but she literally could not count past 20 if I just had her sitting at the table with me. She was also a very active kid. I knew that. I mean, she was my child who looked at our swing set outside one day and said, Mama, I can balance across that and walk all the way across that. And I knew she could, but I, so I said, I know you're capable, but you may not do it. <laughs> so she was always what we call body smart in the eight grade smarts parlance. Mm. And I knew that. Um, but then one day, I wasn't even thinking about it. I called her in to, to do her math, and she started skipping around the table, and she started counting, and she kept counting and counting and counting and counting. And she got to about 100, and she was five, so that's really high. She five sat years down, old. Yeah. She sat down, and she's like, is that enough, Mama? Can I be done? And I was just pretty much dumbfounded. <laughs> and I said, yeah, can you try to count again? So she, here she is sitting there, and she had just done it, but she's now sitting still. She couldn't get past 20 again. So that is an example of body smart. So with the eight grade smarts, we all have eight different ways that we're each smart. Every single one of us has it. God has put those in all of us. But we each gravitate toward two or three that are our top strengths, the ones that we go to when we really want to dig in and learn something Mm -hmm. well. And for Rachel, body smart is one of her top strengths. So by moving as she's learning, things stick with her. Better. So if you've yeah. got a child who just constantly has to jiggle, Jeff is very body smart. He is constantly jiggling his leg whenever he's teaching, whenever he's learning. You know, um, that's a body smart kid. And instead of uh, that's punished in the public schools. Unfortunately, it's published or uh, punished in a lot of Christian schools too, mm. simply because if you're got twenty, twenty five kids and you're they're all sitting in rows, and the teacher feels this pressure to um, get everything done for the standardized test. You have to punish the child who's moving. Mm. But that's really sad because it shuts down their God-given wiring. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. What an amazing... So you learned that on the go. I did. You know, I suspected it. The thing with the eight great smarts, um, again, we all have all eight. Every person on the planet gravitates toward two or three. You can use your your weakest one if you need to. Um, But we all gravitate toward a few of them. You can't really for sure see your child's top strengths till they're about eight or nine. But you get an inkling when they're kind of coming out of the preschool years and you can kind of just kind of see where they're gravitating. And that's what I suspected with Rachel. And that day that confirmed it for me. (laughs) Well, this um, I I also wanted to mention uh, you mentioned some even in some Christian schools. Um, or private schools, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that you've almost got to learn by doing mm-hmm. and not necessarily reading about because, yeah, the, the, te- the technique is get all the kids in a class, keep them still and get them to focus. Right. I had, I, if it was diagnosed when I was younger, I would have had ADD, whatever, put all of these letters You probably don't. You're probably just a very body smart person if you, if or you maybe. like to move. Right. Maybe. Yeah. Yes, I like to yeah. move and I just could not pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often got through the years the, a C- for the, was it satisfactory or unsatisfactory? And then there was a C, capable of better work. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> capable of better work. Yeah, well, I, I knew that. It was just hard for me to, to focus. To focus. Um, but uh, we, we learn a lot. But Christian schools um, are also, we're talking about homeschooling, but Christian schools are vastly outperforming public schools in the last couple of years. I mean, just got this article. Um, only 8% of public school parents could say their children's schools never closed. 26% of parents with kids in Christian schools did, according to a survey. And um, parents of Christian children or schools are more satisfied with their child's education during COVID than parents of public schools. And that's a different article. And then there's another one over at the New American. It says public school enrollments drop while charter and homeschooling options grow. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so because of COVID, um, and this is interesting, God works all things together for good, right? Yes. We, we look at it as Christians and go, thank God. I mean, whatever it takes to get kids out of the yeah. uh, public indoctrination centers. But um, so there's an article over, just came out yesterday, that uh, public school enrollments are dropping. But it, it's a good thing. I mean, is it wrong, Tina, to say 
we want the public schools to fail. We want, in other words, we want the secular progressives, mm -hmm. socialists, and those who are hostile toward the biblical worldview, and we want the government to fail at educating our children. We'd, we'd rather do it ourselves. We'd rather force kids back to their families where they belong. Yeah. But I know that's not popular, and some people get very upset when you talk like, like that. Mm -hmm. um, it, it is. It's a hard thing to say, but unfortunately, I think it's the truth. Um, when public school started about 100 years ago, um, the, the agenda was there, the same agenda that we see right now, the iceberg coming out of the water. Mm -hmm. It was always there, but it was under the waterline. And so Christians 100 years ago, I mean, pastors would be convinced to tell their congregants 100 years ago, send your child to the new government schools to evangelize the new immigrants that are oh, coming in. Um, the humanists, John Dewey and his ilk, they knew, yes, it's all about evangelism, but it's into socialism, into progressivism, all these different things. But the believers 100 years ago were duped. And again, the agenda was under the waterline for so long. It's easy to understand why. I mean, I went to public school. You probably went to public school. A lot of people are like, I turned out okay. Why can't we just continue to send our children there? Because the agenda is clearly visible now. Oh, my goodness. And there's no excuse to not know. And it's not going to get any better. I mean, all you need to do is look uh, over the last 20 or 30 years at the advancement of the LGBTQ yeah agenda, movement, the uh, human research, uh, everything that's happening in the public schools that's, that's pro-gay and lesbian, and that, that would be, you've got to shut up. If you're a Christian kid, you can't say anything. Oh, no. I mean, they There's have no a way. legal right to, but they're told they can't. Yeah, yeah. So. And so this article just came out yesterday. A teacher boasts about removing, now you can see this video. You can look up this video. In fact, I think I posted it on my Facebook. Um, a teacher came out and, and said she removed the American flag from her room because she was uncomfortable with the American flag. This, in the midst of this time where we're trying to get people out of Afghanistan, <laughs> a country that is just, just going to go into chaos now because of their lack of freedoms, in America she's embarrassed or she was uncomfortable. Anyway, so what did she do? She took the American flag down in a classroom and, of course, there's a pride flag that's been up there. She tells students to pledge allegiance to the pride flag. Friends, we're not making this up. Tina, before we got on the air this morning, I shared that I was going to mention this article. And a, a typical response from too many people is, that's just one teacher. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? It's not. <laughs> I mean, even 20 years ago, I saw it and I, I stay, I've stayed friends with lots of people who are still in the public schools. I pay attention. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm politically active. I, and we all are taxpayers. So even if we don't have children in the schools, we need to pay attention how our money is being spent. That's right. And it's article after article after article. There's a uh, page on Facebook that I follow, um, the real truth about public schools. And uh, she's uh, the lady who runs that page is a friend of mine. Her stepson was killed at Columbine. Mm. And after that, they started homeschooling their younger children. And um, every day she posts article after article after article from news sources around the country from, you know, this pedophile who, uh, you know, assaulted a student because he was a school teacher or she was a school teacher and she assaulted children in the school or, you know, myriad things. And so it's just never ending. Mm. Public school teachers teachers are not perfect. Yeah. We, we need to take them off a pedestal and hold them to account to teach our children proper values. But most public school teachers, unfortunately, don't share Christian values. Yes. Well, you, interesting you said proper values, and then you said Christian values. Everybody has values. Yes. Whose values? Talk about, you hear about values voters. Well, I think we need to be much more specific as Bible-believing Christians when you talk about values voters because there's a lot of people on the left that value ripping a baby apart in its mother's womb. That's a value. They value that choice. Right. That choice. I was just reading this morning. Um, I went back to the beginning of Luke, and I was just reading. In, in a couple of those gospel accounts, it says uh, Mary was with child. So the Bible, and, and now that we have ultrasound and sonograms and all this technology about what we can know about life in a mother's womb, now we know oh, science is caught up with the Bible, right? <laughs> but what happened? It, it, the Bible has always said when uh, a woman is with child when she's pregnant. Yeah. Well, what happened that led to Roe v. Wade is that we started 
falling for the deception in our culture that, oh, it's just a clump of tissue. We really don't know when life begins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we don't know what's happening in a, in a mother's womb. So, yes, we can abort it. Or we can remove what's in there if, if, it's, uh, if that's the will of the mother. But we completely got so off track, and now here we are with the knowledge mm-hmm. that it is. You're right. It is with child. That is a living, growing human baby in there, and abortion is still legal in this country. So what happened? So that's another. I, I don't even know how I got into that. Oh, oh, you said values. <laughs> values. Mm-hmm. Values. Well, because that's a triggered. value promoted choice in the government value. schools yep. for generations. Yes, so. they they value choice, meaning Planned Parenthood can come into the schools, hand out their cards to and condoms mm-hmm. to young kids because right, well, they're going to have sex anyway, right? That's the mentality. <laughs> Same thing. Can you imagine if they did that with drugs? Yeah, let's take some drugs into the but they're going to have drug. They're going to do drugs anyway. Right? Why not? <laughs> what, what's what's the the reasoning anyway, Tina, I'm getting off track. I want to get to something you wrote in your book. One of the things that uh, people who might be opposed to homeschooling would say is the kids don't get socialized properly. I don't remember where I read this, <laughs> but would you please, whatever you'd like to share to yeah. give parents out there an understanding of, first of all, is that the highest virtue, being socialized with other kids, especially if they're non-Christian kids? Mm-hmm. Go ahead and share your thoughts on that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we <laughs> veteran homeschoolers are waiting for that myth to die. It, it has been around for the last 40 years of the modern homeschool movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it still persists, which is just crazy. So, But um, to dovetail on what you were saying before, you know, everybody has values, right? Every person on the face of the planet is socialized. What does that mean? It, and there's multiple definitions. Mm-hmm. There's some definitions that Christians should not want. One definition, for example, is to be made compliant to what certain ruling authorities might say, do we really want our kids to be socialized in that mm. way? I don't think so. But even if we just think about um, socialized in the sense of being able to interact with other human beings in a variety of settings, for Christians to be able to share the gospel with each other, all of that... Um, Every person on the planet is socialized. The question is, how do you want your child socialized and by whom? Mm. Because if you send your child to a school, even a Christian school, because teachers can't be in charge of all 20 children at one time, the other children are socializing each other. Peer pressure is is huge. I think of a scripture, bad company corrupts good morals or bad company corrupts good character. When your kids are around all these other children who most of them are not believers, mm-hmm. whose spirit are they following, first of all? <laughs> but, in, you know, we made this point uh, yesterday or the day before that there is the Holy Spirit and there is, what's the unholy spirit? Well, that would be the spirit of the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. That's, so they are either for Jesus or against Jesus. You've got all these young children who are influencing other children against Jesus or the biblical worldview. And they're not trying to be demonic. They're just following their parents, Hollywood, their idols, and whatever else. Anyway, we're with Tina Hollenbeck. We're going to talk a little bit more about homeschooling and some other uh, concerns when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth. With David Fiorazzo. Our guest today is Tina Hollenbeck and the book. We're in and out of this topic, but it is about education and uh, eight great smarts for homeschoolers. It's a guide to teaching based on your child's unique strengths. I want you to share a couple things we talked about during the break, Tina, when you were, mm-hmm. um, these are really defenses of homeschooling and just there's, there's some people that the people, some lies that people have believed about the the lack of socialization and things like this, and they really just don't know the, the facts. They don't, you know. So I mentioned, you know, you have to think about how you want your child socialized. But the other myth or lie is that homeschooled kids sit at home all the time. I don't like <laughs> that name, homeschooling, for two reasons. First of all, we don't sit at home all the time. Mm-hmm. We're not locked into a room all mm-hmm. day long like kids in other schools. Homeschoolers go out into the community and do all sorts of things all the time. Everywhere. I mean, we're 40 years into the modern homeschool movement. It is accepted and legal and fine everywhere. And then schooling even. I wish it were called home education because there is a difference between schooling and education. But as far as the socialization aspect, um, any homeschool family anywhere in the country can be as active, have their kids in as many activities as they choose. 
because there are homeschool groups everywhere. There are community-based activities that have homeschool-specific events and trips and all kinds of mm-hmm. things. There are homeschool sports associations. There are theater groups. There are music groups galore. So um, when when we were starting uh, to be homeschooling, my mother-in-law was a little concerned about this socialization aspect. And, uh-huh. um, and I love her, and she's a wonderful woman, but she didn't know. So I printed out the list of activities for the local homeschool group that we were involved in at the time. It was three pages long. Wow. And I said, Mom, if we do even a fraction of these things, we will never get to the academics. So that whole idea that there isn't a way for kids to be involved with other kids is just a lie. The difference is, as the parent, you get to choose with whom you let your children interact based on common values, shared Mm -hmm. values. You get to be intentional about it instead of not even knowing who your children are interacting with day to day. That's right. And another thing is I've met so many young uh, people uh, that have been (laughs) homeschooled, and more often than not, almost always, almost always, they seem so much more respectful, mm-hmm. mature, yeah. meaning they're they're not distracted and everywhere there. Actually, they they can converse with an adult. Yes, which is is an amazing point because a lot of young kids in schools today, in the public school, they don't know how to talk to anyone that's not their their peers within nine months adults. of their age, give or yeah. take. Right. Yeah. So that's interesting. But uh, and by the way, another thing you said, I just want to clarify something that Tina said in the last segment that we really didn't elaborate on when she mentioned that pastors. Um, a lot of pastors and well-meaning religious leaders wanted to send children into the public schools as if it were a mission field, which I guess in the big scheme of things it is, but it's part of this massive going to all the world. However, sending young children into this lion's den when Everything is against the kids. We don't send adults mm-hmm. into places like this and say, adults, now go evangelize. Right. You would be shut down, discriminated against. You would be, they wouldn't tolerate it. So, but what we can send kids into there. Mm-hmm. To, so anyway, what we were wanted to say was the pastors and those at that time, 50 to 100 years ago, maybe they meant well. They did. But but it, they were just misguided, naive. They didn't look at the agenda that was actually being promoted. Now, again, right. it was more hidden. It was under the waterline. Yes. But but everybody knew that John Dewey was, you know, in the humanist society and all of that. And so they just they chose to believe what they were being told instead of digging deeper, yeah. which is a tragedy. And now we're seven, eight generations down the line and people have been desensitized and just kind of acculturated to this way of of living. But it's not biblical. Oh, my goodness. And that you know what? How about if we get back to the basics? Is it biblical? Mm-hmm. Is it biblical to let someone else educate your child, let alone the government, right. any government? Um, is it biblical? I think that's one of the main questions all Christian parents should be asking, whether that's education, mm-hmm. whether that's entertainment, what you're allowing your kids to do. Hours of influence. They are in the public schools between seven and eight hours a day, five days a week, and how many days out of the year, you know, take about holidays and summer off, whatever else. That is a lot of time, friends, and that is an an influence and and something that you're not going to get back with maybe trying to have a a 10-minute conversation during breakfast or dinner or maybe trying to take the kids to your church once a week on Sunday when – just your, your thoughts on hours of influence. Well, I mean, you're absolutely correct. It, it is 16,000 hours of time, not counting homework, when they're, we're looking at the wow. same material at home, but 16,000 hours from age 5 to 18 if you send a child away from home for school, that they're influenced by other people. And um, a few years ago, Barna did some research on this, and they, they looked at um, kids of Christian parents. Because part of the thing we need to remember is just because you are a Christian parent does not mean your five or your your 10 or your 17-year-old knows the Lord Jesus Christ. Just because they're growing up in your home, they may not have made that commitment. That's right. Even one of my daughters did not make that personal commitment until she was 15 years old, and we were homeschooling her because they each need to embrace that in their own time. So if you send a child to this influence of ungodliness for 16,000 hours, mm. um, so the Barner research said Is that, that per year? It's for from K through oh, twelve. Okay, sixteen thousand um, hours. I'm right, a, I, I'm, that's a lot. Right. I used to be. I used to be average at math. Now I'm worse. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, 
And the thing is, can you make up 16,000 hours worth of influence when they're home? You really can't because they sleep and all this other thing. So the Barna research showed that of parents who call themselves born-again Christians, 85% of their children walk away from the Lord by the end of high school if they go to public school. 85%. Yep. So what I sometimes say to parents who say, you know, my kid's going to be different. They're quite the evangelist, this, that, and the other thing. I'm like, I hope you are right. Yeah, but do too. you want to play Russian roulette with your child's soul? Mm. Some of those people will come back to the Lord in adulthood. But a lot, I mean, look at our culture over the last 50 to 100 years. Are we more or less Christian since we let the government control yeah. most of our kids' education? Yeah. Good question. That's pretty. Um, that's that's a lot of time. Uh, that's a those. That's a lot of hours. Um, how? When was that Barna study? Do you remember how? Because five or six years ago. It's pretty recent. Okay. So did you say by the end of uh, high school? By the end of high school, eighty-five percent of kids from Christian mm-hmm. homes will just abandon the Lord. So let's just say that was five years ago. Um, about fifteen or twenty years ago, there were surveys that came out. That, um, it said if you, again, how are they educated at home in, in the Bible? But Christian kids mm-hmm. fell away from God or their, the faith of their families after one year of college. Yep. That was, uh, let's just say 20 years ago. This one, five years ago, by the time they're out of high school, well, now we have to just assume, and it's a safe assumption that it's getting worse because of the biblical worldview, there's so much ignorance about what the Bible actually teaches, and now it's probably even maybe junior high. Oh, yeah. Um, I read a study several years ago. I I wish I would have remembered where exactly this was, but it said that children start doubting their faith, if they're a Christian or come from a Christian family, Mm -hmm. in middle school. Yeah. My question, they start doubting what they've been taught at home. Why would that be? First of all, they don't teach creation or intelligent design in schools. They don't teach the truth, in other words. They're teaching education, I mean, um, evolution, not as a theory. Right. They're teaching as this is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And so if kids are believing that they just came from nothing and have no purpose and no God, and can you imagine? So no wonder they start doubting. Mm-hmm. their Christian faith when they are in middle school. Tina, we have five more minutes left, and I want to go to uh, your book description over on Amazon. Very good, and I'll just summarize it a little bit. It says, one of the benefits of a home education is a curriculum designed to fit each student. That is key, friends, but that means knowing how your child learns. Not every child receives knowledge the same way, and it's up to the teacher in this case, the parent, homeschooling, to figure out the best way to reach each one. Tina Hollenbeck, a leader in the home education community, applies the eight smarts to each division of a complete curriculum, math, language arts, science, social studies, religious education, fine arts, electives. So I want to get your your thoughts to just share a little bit more about what we just read as far as the description, Uh unique to each child, and then what about religious religious education? Because that's not a part of the public government schools. No, it isn't. But it is for Christian homeschoolers, of course, you know. So um, so the, what I try to do in the book is, um, even though I think of education as a holistic thing, and it's really to say, oh, this is math, language, art, science, whatever, um, that's not really how God designed our brains. But this is what our culture does. So we mostly think about the different subject areas. So what I do in the book is say, okay, for math, um, if your child is body smart, here are some ways to help your child use that strength to learn and master math, such as my daughter running around the table and counting, <laughs> right, when she was little. Um, but even for older kids, um, if your child is picture smart, that's another one of the eight great smarts. They they actually think with pictures. How can you use that God-designed? Yeah. How can you use that God-designed smart to help the child learn math or science or whatever it might be? And so the religious education, same kind of thing. You know, if you are teaching your child Bible content, and if you're a Christian homeschooler, you should be every single day. <laughs> um, t- if your child, so the two main smarts in school are word smart and logic smart. And if you are heavy in those two smarts, you can play the school game. You can play the typical traditional homeschool curriculum game and do very well with that. But if your child is music smart, how are you going to help them understand the word of God? 
in ways that really resonate with them mm. so that they actually can accept Christ as Savior and Lord. Um, there's more to it than, than just simply reading. Now, obviously, you want music that to be grounded in the Word if you're going to use use that. But I did apply that to Bible study and religious education as well. You know, how can you help your child really use their God-given strengths to embrace the Lord? Mm -hmm. And what you said earlier just keeps resonating with me. Is it biblical? Mm -hmm. Is it biblical? Everything that we're talking about here, uh, education, how you're teaching your children. Um, Very quickly, Crash handed me an article here about homeschooling, Beware the Roaring Lion by Ken Ham. And what we were just talking about, he said a recent article featured a new class of homeschooling parents who uh, who want what they call uh, more science in textbooks uh, published by evangelicals. But sadly, this, by science, they don't mean the observational science of modern genetics and physics. They mean historical or origin science. And more specifically, they mean the historical or origin science of the evolutionists and the old earth Beliefs. So that's fascinating. We're now even, you've got to be very specific when you just use the word science. I mean, look at during COVID in the last couple of years. <laughs> science. They keep using that word. I do not, I do not think it means what they think it means. But, <laughs> you, you know, they're talking about science and they're the medical experts and Fauci and all the others. Oh, and I say that name now. I just get this bitter taste. Anyway, so <laughs> we, we, we've got to wrap it up, Tina. We've had a fun time here talking not only about the importance of education from Christian parents and your children, the importance to them, but also what's happening in the schools. And we really need to be aware and stop ignoring or denying the fact that there is this hostility toward Jesus and the biblical worldview. And of course, that translates in, into Christians. Uh, Tina, where can they get more information on you and where can they get their, your book? So you can get the book at Amazon. You can also get it at CelebrateKids.com, which is the ministry that wrote Eight Great Smarts, from okay. which my book is based. Um, and if people want to reach out to me and say I have questions about homeschooling, curriculum, whatever it might be, my website is the Homeschool Resource Roadmap, homeschoolroadmap.org. I have a contact page there so people can reach out to me and just ask their questions. I'll do my best. I'm not an expert in the homeschool law of every state. Uh, I am in Wisconsin, but I can help you probably direct and definitely curriculum I can help with and things like that. Give that website again, homeschool resource. Homeschoolroadmap.org. Like I said, homeschoolroadmap.org. <laughs> Tina Hollenbeck, is a b- pleasure to have you on today, and uh, Thank thanks you. for coming in the studio. And uh, God bless you and this book. May it get out there and get more parents, Christian parents, convinced that, yes, this is what I need to be doing. That's been my prayer. So, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you. And uh, continue. may God continue to use you in this way. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about who's on the rest of this week on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. That website again, the Homeschool Resource Roadmap, and you can uh, just go and search that out. And we'll put that in today's podcast post at standupforthetruth.com. Tomorrow, John Leffler, you will hear Steel on Steel Radio. Russ Miller, creationist, who will also be, he's going to be here Thursday, not in studio We'll have him on the podcast. He'll also be at the Prophecy Conference, Calvary Chapel, Appleton, in a few weeks. And Sarah Christensen of Frontline Harvest Ministries, based in Green Bay. She'll be here with us on Friday. Thank you guys so much for your support and your prayers. And as always, for tuning in, God bless you, and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.